0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, we study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God has given us. I am Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York, and you are here studying with me. We're studying together through the Gospel of Matthew. I hope you've enjoyed our first few days of this. We're going into Matthew chapter 2 now, and uh, before we get started, I want to invite you to download the sound of heaven app, go to S O H dot church. Just click on the download app button. You can always get it on the anywhere where you get your apps, whether it be the Apple or the Android store, but Check out soh.church. You may be compelled to come and visit us. We would love that, absolutely. Or you can watch any of our live streams. And the app's cool because you can get in touch with our online community. There's a lot of great uh, Bible study resources on there, Uh, and there's a free digital Bible that you can use to go along with this study here. So, um, got some great questions from our first chapter, which I want to get to here in a second. If you remember... Day one, we went through the genealogy of Jesus. We laid out what Matthew's trying to do. He's laying down the foundations to his original audience. His original audience was the Jewish population. He was showing them that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is like Moses, but he's greater than Moses, right? That Jesus basically superseded anything that they ever believed in the way of the law up until that point. He didn't come to uh, destroy the law or or get rid of the law. He came to fulfill it, but he came and he corrected a lot of things as well. And then lastly, we studied how, uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy, uh, that he will be called Emmanuel, which is God with us, that he is God with us in the flesh and also would usher in God with us in the sense of us having the Holy spirit every single day. And yesterday we talked a good deal about Jesus's parents as we studied out the interactions between Joseph and Mary. And uh, we touted uh, Joseph's uh, courage in that situation to show Mary grace and mercy. And then ultimately, of course, uh, the the angel appears to him and explains that, hey, Mary wasn't. messing around, uh, that it was actually the Holy spirit by which she had become pregnant. Now, Joseph had every right to go ahead and, um, put Mary to disgrace, which actually could have been, you know, put Mary to death. But the question that I got yesterday that I just want to address, because it's one that I was going to hit on, uh, but I just didn't, think I had it within the time frame. Uh my sister out there Renee reached out and said, well, you know, what if somebody says to you, hey, well Joseph can't be the real father like the genealogy says because of how Mary conceived, and that is very true in the sense of Joseph does not have any blood contribution to Jesus. Okay? So is it a contradiction that he is mentioned in the genealogies as Jesus's father? No, because in Judaism at that time, the, an adopted son would have the, all the legal rights that the father had to be passed down. And Joseph is, I'm sorry, Jesus is the adopted son technically of Joseph in this capacity. Okay. So Jesus had the legal right. Now, there's an interesting twist here because in the Old Covenant, right, the Davidic line, right, Jesus had to be in the line of David, which went through Joseph. Joseph is in the line of David, but he was through Solomon. Solomon's line in the Old Testament gets cursed where somebody from Solomon's line can't sit on the throne. So that seems like a conundrum, right? But this is where Mary comes in. And this is where we have to look at the gospel of Luke for a second, because just like Matthew starts with the genealogy, so does Luke. But Luke lays out the genealogy of Mary, which which is also part of the Davidic line through King David, but is not through Solomon. is actually through David's son, Nathan. So here's where it lies, is that Jesus has the legal right through Joseph and has the Davidic bloodline through Mary. So technically he's the only one that could fulfill the prophecy of the Messiah by that standard. Okay. So I hope that that makes sense. It's not a contradiction at all. Jesus gets the adopted power through Joseph or or the adopted right through Joseph and the bloodline through Mary. Okay. So now let's jump into today's study as we go into a story that we all know uh, from Christmas tradition, and that is starting with the wise men. Now I did a study on this a, a while back, a couple of years ago at Sound of Heaven, and I had somebody come up to me afterwards and say that they were actually upset with me because I basically ruined the Christmas tradition of the wise men for them. And that's not my point today to uh, ruin how you look at the uh, nativity scene uh, come Christmas time. But uh, there are some inconsistencies there. And I want to challenge you is that, is this a big deal for you? If I tell you that these three kings were not three kings at all. And as a matter of fact, there's not even three of them. Nowhere in scripture does it say that there are three of them nor that they are necessarily kings. The idea of them being kings wasn't necessarily even found until about the third century uh, from a guy named Tertullian. And th- it was probably a, an interpretation from like Psalm 68, Psalm 72, uh, Isaiah, where it talks about kings will bow down at the feet of the uh, Messiah. Even something around like the direction that they came from. You know, that's in, in question. Did they come from the east? What does that mean? A lot of people believe that they came from Babylon. If you remember during the time of Daniel, there were um, magicians that were in that area that actually had converted when when Daniel uh, came to power. So maybe they came from there, but they may have not come from that way at all. Everything at that time that was east of Rome was considered east. So something could be the West of you and you would still call it East because it was East of Rome. Rome was like the epicenter of everything. The star itself. Was it really a star? Some people say it was a comet. Some people say it was a planetary injunction, which meant is that's when different planets come together, Jupiter and Saturn or Jupiter and Venus and another star called Regulus. I mean, does all this stuff really matter? What about, we always picture them at this, at the manger, Right. Not necessarily. In Luke, it talks about them being in a house. So chances are th- these wise men didn't even get there until a couple months later. Does that matter to you? You have to ask yourself that as we as we read this, okay? We're going to dive right in. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So the these Magi, these astronomers, probably not kings like I said, they go to the leadership at that time. And Rome is over the area. And Rome allowed a guy named King Herod. Now, King Herod was a master politician. He was a good administrator. He was also a very cruel man, which we will see the fruit of that tomorrow. But they uh, approach him and they say, Where is this child king? We want to go and worship him. And Herod's thinking to himself, No, I'm the king here. I'm the king. What is going on here? So basically, Herod is disturbed, he is intrigued. And he goes and he pulls together all of the uh, teachers and says, well, where, where is this supposed to be from? And it says in Bethlehem in Judea. And that was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was a fulfillment of uh, the words in Micah that out of Bethlehem in the land of Judah, that Bethlehem would no longer be considered the least. Bethlehem was a small, small little town, I think about six miles outside of Jerusalem. And said, out of there will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. So now Herod, who was king at the time, and not even a legitimate king, a king that Rome allowed to happen, and you had to be a, a master of politician, like I said, like Herod, for to have uh, a favor with Caesar and be allowed to, to rule there. It says in verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them that the exact time that the star had appeared, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report him to me so that I may go and worship him. Yeah, okay. Verse nine, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So they get warned by God in a dream, don't go back to Herod. Why? Because Herod has no plans to go back and worship Jesus in that way. So uh, I hope I didn't make you too mad in telling you uh, that probably everything that you've heard about the wise men that we know around Christmas time is, uh, is definitely disputable. Let's put it that way. But does it really matter? Here's what we know. We know that the people that were in charge, God's people, were really disturbed by something new happening. And these people that were somewhat outsiders, whether they were the remnant in, in Babylon that were Jewish believers or had some sort of a mixture of Judaism and, and uh, other beliefs, they traveled a long, long way just to worship the king. And this is kind of a precursor to what we're going to see going through the gospel of Matthew is that God's own people. We're going to be pretty disturbed. You know, the chief priests, the teachers of the time are going to be pretty disturbed that their traditions were going to be rocked. And I guess that's my message for us today is, is, are your traditions more important than the truth? Because as for me, I would rather everything that I ever believed be thrown out the window if I could find truth. Truth is what is the most important thing to me. And when we hold too tightly to our tradition, what happens is we place ourselves on the throne and not God. Because chances are there are many, many things, there, are, or, or just maybe some things, that we've believed about God that when we start drawing close to God, we find out we were a little off and that's okay. But that's what Matthew is really trying to tee up here. That the kingdom is not going to necessarily look exactly the way you think. And what's funny is, is the second somebody tries to challenge our traditions, we become very, very defensive. And when we're like Herod, And I'm not comparing you to Herod. I'm not trying to do that. Sometimes I could be like Herod, right? I have my own kingdom, that the things that I create, and I don't want anything to come in and shake it. Well, sometimes God's got to come in and shake things up in my life because what he has for me is better. What I have for myself, if I just rely on myself, when I go, it's going to go with me. The things that I see that I can build for myself are temporary. But the things of God are eternal. They go beyond this life. And Herod wants to hold on to his power so desperately that he's willing to commit atrocities to keep it. We're going to read that tomorrow as we come up on our 1% here. And the fact of the matter with Herod, I may have said it already, but he wasn't in power at all. He had an illegitimate illusion of a kingdom at any point it could come and Rome can come and take it away and so it is when we put our faith in the things of this world that anything can come and take it away you and i we've experienced loss in our life there's no doubt every human being does you've probably experienced betrayal in your life You probably one day had the illusion that a relationship, uh, that uh, a thing, a material thing was here and you felt like it was going to be here forever and all of a sudden it wasn't. And real power, real freedom comes when you could have joy despite the circumstance. When you can love someone despite being betrayed, that doesn't mean being abused. That's not what I'm talking about but that you can love your enemies as yourself. That somebody or something can take everything away from you, but in essence, they've taken nothing from you. Because your joy doesn't come from things of this world. And my hope and prayer for you today as we wrap up, that you are willing to have the traditions in your life, maybe some of the things that you thought were true, shaken up a bit for the truth because the truth will set you free. So that's my prayer for you today. The meditation is that, you know, God, above all things I want, I want truth. Even if it means me losing, you know, things that I think are my earthly kingdom, I want to put it in your hands because God, what God has for you is so much greater than anything that you could ever create for yourself. Things I create for myself, they fade away. But things of God never fade away. Amen. So we're going to pray. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this study. We thank you that uh, you are revealing some new things to us each and every day, Lord God. Father, I pray that if there's any traditions that we are holding on to, that we don't hold on too tight, that we're willing to give some of those over to you in exchange for truth, that we want truth. That's you today. Just say, God, I just want truth. Say, God, give me truth today, Lord. And the truth is going to set you free. And if you stay with us here, as we pray in Jesus' mighty name, by the way, we are going to probably shake up some truth. That's what the Word of God does, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we're going to come across some truths that may challenge, you know, things that you've believed before. And that's a good thing because the truth will set you free. Amen. I am Pastor JD Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church. You're listening to the 1% Christian. And I invite you to come back tomorrow and invite somebody to join with us. Love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow.